0: Welcome to the ATP Tennis Radio podcast, I'm Seb Lozier, and this week we meet two players with a very different perspective on the past 12 months, Italy's Fabio Fanini and Australia's Matt Ebton. But first, we reflect on a remarkable and historic accomplishment.
1: Tennis-wise, uh, like I said, my goal, really the main goal, I wanted to be number one in the world um, all my life.
0: This week, Novak Djokovic celebrated a landmark achievement as he reached a record-breaking 311 weeks at number one in the FedEx ATP rankings.
1: Pretty nervous. Since I was really young, seven, eight years old, I already said, I didn't even, my record was bigger than me, and I already said I want to be number one in the world.
2: It's outstanding, the performance that we've seen today Novak Djokovic
3: is certainly that of a future world number one. Rock and roll, dude, rock and roll!
1: The biggest goals were to reach the longest uh, number one in history, you know, week's at number one uh, rankings, and that's something that I'll be able to reach now, and I've been working towards that. That was kind of the main goal in the the last couple of years.
0: Novak Djokovic, you'd have to say he's the best player in the world
1: incredible what he was able to do really one of the greatest of all time in our sport the amazement of how consistent Novak has been at such a high level i think what uh, Djokovic did is unbelievable Djokovic is playing at a level where no one can really get a chink in the armor
0: how can you argue with the views of Pete Sampras, Andre Agassi, John McEnroe, Bjorn Borg, and Stan Smith? It's been a long journey for Djokovic with a support cast that's included mother Diana, brother Marco, longtime coach Marian Vider, and wife Jelena.
1: I remember I started on the mountain in Serbia and Montenegro actually when I was four years old. It was, I can say, uh, accident why I started to play tennis because I, my father was a skier, professional skier. My mother also was, was skiing and doing other sports, volleyball. So I am coming pretty much from the sport family, but nobody played tennis. You watch on TV Wimbledon and all tournaments and he said, I want to be a tennis player. So we try to support him as much as we can and look where he is now. You need to have that support and love and understanding from your close ones because that's something that gives you the force to, to overcome every challenge. All these things that we were working, you know, during these years and the tough times in Serbia, you know, we were doing it together, you know, we were rising together, we were always with Novak, they were always with me, with a younger brother, so kind of uh, emotional, you know, a really emotional thing. He came through difficult time and he can appreciate really this moment and it can make me more deeply feels what is it all about.
3: I'm, I'm really proud. It's his dream you know to be so successful and I'm really happy for him that he managed to you know accomplish his dream. A moment of magic from Djokovic there
1: you have to work for it you, you got to have the self-discipline and dedication devotion but most of all passion for the sport.
0: Novak has now spent more weeks at number one than any other man in the history of the game.
1: Well, I think it's an ultimate challenge, to be honest. To do it over and over again, to be actually contender for historic number one, you need to play well and have a consistency from January to November, every single year. A lot of different positive emotions that go through your mind, you know, joy, happiness, uh, just uh, absolute fulfillment. I'm happy that I'm here, you know, that I can,
0: uh, being this company of the best tennis players in the world. It's been an incredible journey with Masters titles coming early on. He's done it! It's a career defining moment for the 19 year old from Belgrade who gets his hands on his very first ATP Masters Series Shield. What a moment for the proud parents being here all week to see their son accomplish his boyhood dream. Time for a little family reunion. What a moment.
1: And of course, my fans, Serbian flags, wherever they are, thank you very much. I'm so proud for my country.
0: I love you. More glory was to follow that year. He's done it. And what a way to do so in winning this event.
1: He's done something very, very special, defeating the top three players in the world in successive matches. It's a dream come true to win uh, such a strong tournament like this and uh, to win against uh, probably the best player ever in this sport. Uh, It's a a dream for me and I hope he will not be angry, but I just want to say that he cannot win everything, you know. Uh, Give him a break.
0: (laughs) I mean, sometimes somebody has to win. and a first Grand Slam title in 2008, Down Under. Novak
3: Djokovic, champion Down Under.
1: That was really an unforgettable experience. The main square of, of Belgrade was packed with people coming with their Serbian hats and national colors and paying them respect to, to what I have done and appreciating the success. And it was a very emotional moment.
0: In 2011, Djokovic started the season with a 43-match winning streak. Oh, Djokovic is the champion in Rome! A remarkable season gets better and better. It is seven straight titles.
1: You know, for example, when I lose, uh, you know, I don't go to the dressing room and break all the rackets or something, you know, (sighs) Uh, like, crash my head into the wall or something.
0: That same year, victory at Wimbledon took him to number one in the world for the first time.
1: This is what I have always dreamed about, coming to number one of the world.
0: Newly crowned world number one, Novak Djokovic attempting to create history by becoming the first player ever to win five Masters Series 1000 titles in a single season. Wins and in doing so creates a little bit of history, the ninth title of a simply sensational season. Roger Federer.
1: I think it's incredible what Novak has been able to achieve in the last uh, last years. I mean, throughout his career, because everybody takes a different path to get to the very top, and he's done that his way. It's very, very challenging to, to keep that. Mental intensity and, and uh, uh, willpower. You need to keep on winning, and that's what he's been doing, and not just once in a while, you have to bring it sort of week in, week out. You know, I have a great team of people around me that has been supporting me for many, many years, and my core team is always there my family, and of course. Uh, it's, it's a team effort, even though it's an in individual sport. I love tennis.
0: <laughs> and two more men who've tasted life at world number one, Andy Murray and Rafael Nadal.
1: Well, that's amazing. Well, a lot of things that Novak is doing
3: are amazing. It's an incredible achievement for Novak. I think everyone wants to compare Rafa, Roger and Novak all the time and they've set the bar unbelievably high. And my feeling is that the records that they've set just now, I believe they will stand for an extremely long time. I uh, became a father, I
1: became a husband as well. That has brought a a, a new energy to me, a new motivation. And I'm just trying to, to, uh, to stay committed to my everyday tennis life. And I think that helps.
0: It was another first in 2016, Djokovic achieving the career grand slam with victory at Roland Garros. Patience,
1: patience and believing in yourself and your abilities. You want everything to come right away and you want to experience the success uh, instantly, which is in most cases not possible.
0: And then in 2018 came the career Golden Masters, beating Roger Federer in the final at the Western and Southern Open. Everyone this week talking about the possibility for him to rewrite history here.
2: Novak Djokovic!
1: Making history of the sport that I love with all my heart is is always very meaningful to me. Well, number one, congratulations, Novak, on writing history today. Amazing effort, not just this week, not just today, but your whole career. To get to this point is an amazing achievement. You should be very proud. Well done. Roger, thank you for your kind words. And thank you for letting me win once here in Cincinnati. Uh, It's always a pleasure to share the call with you. One thing is to visualise and to hope for, and the other thing is to actually be in the moment and try to take it slowly and I uh, try to balance that. I think if I continue working like this, that I have quality to be um, at least top ten player on, on the world. And my goal is to be number one player of the, of the, of the world, so I'm just going for this goal. We're going to see what happens.
0: Novak Djokovic, 311 weeks at number one and counting. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio podcast. Available on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and atptour.com.
4: It's been a testing year for Italy's Fabio Fanini. In March, end of March, they close everything. They make a lot down. I went home again and I have these two and a half months to, to stay with them, stay with my family. And it was really tough and no holiday for me, but for everybody.
0: With injury and the coronavirus arriving while still adjusting to life with two young children, it's fair to say life has changed for Fanini and his wife, former US Open champion Flavia
4: Panetta. During the time of lockdown, uh, you don't know how to manage that, especially the hospital, the, the, the people they are working on the hospital. was really, it's like a panic attack and really uh, bad news also when you when you watch the TV, I mean, you can watch in TV because uh, the situation is really bad. So I say, wow, well, now we have to stay home. Uh, it's the only thing that we can do, stay safe, healthy. The beginning, the first 10 days were really tough. I was not there with my mind. If we can, I have to be honest. So I was doing my, I had the home list. I say, okay, I talked to my physical trainer. I say, send me something different every week because I get bored. So I was doing, uh, you know, weight, uh, some speed work. Day was really long, so actually one, two hours per day, I have to do something to to sweat, to do something different. And after ten days, we start. Okay, listen, we have to. My job is take Federico, and her job is gonna take the Farah. So we decided to, to split the, the job, as you can call the job, because you know Federico is three, three and a half years old, and I can do something more with him. Of course, the mama is the first, uh, as I say, person that uh, they gonna ask for. So, and I have these two and a half months to to stay with them, stay with my family. Then after that I decided to make a surgery on my ankle and this long period of, of uh, quarantine pre-season rehabilitation this kind of thing made me think probably in a different way because uh, of course once I step out of the hospital I say well uh, I had 10 really bad days after uh, after the surgery and I say well my mind start thinking I'm gonna be able to play again if I have pain what what kind of pain I have. Uh, but then I say, okay, let's let's see, uh, let's wait. Everything have a solution. It's only probably take time. But once again, play was halted. I went to play tournament in Italy, and the second test that they made, I get a, a positive. And at the same time, my sister uh, got positive too, but she went home in Italy with my father, my mother, husband of her. So, so it was, whoa, well, October and beginning of the November was disaster because everybody got a virus. And I was really shocked because I went two days before leaving for the tournament with Flavia, with the babysitter and with the baby. But now lucky that everything went in a good way. Well, I think, uh, hopefully, that 2021 is going to be, for sure, different than 2020.
0: It's not only Fabio who's been in reflective mood. When Chris Bowers met up with Matthew Ebden at the Australian Open, the Perth man
3: offered another entirely different perspective on the past 12 months. Played January, February, started to win some matches, get some momentum, and the thought, you know, had to play three, four months after that, some challenges and tour events, qualify a bit, and get my ranking back up but then obviously covid stopped that um end of february last year so i my last tournament last year was dubai at the end of february and i came back on a flight to perth i think 28th of february or something like that and was meant to just be home for a few weeks training and then head off and never left since basically uh, until january this year so strange
2: so how did you deal with the five months when there was no tennis at all
3: yeah it was strange uh you know that march period last year i was sort of scheduled to have a training block anyway i was meant to be home three weeks and i had some stuff I really wanted to work on on my game and, and body so i had that training block so that obviously went became a four or five week pretty intense training block it was a great time to work on some things in my game um and then that obviously extended you know then the tour got cancelled only sort of two months at a time two three months it was it was only bit by bit it got cancelled so we were always week by week going oh planning to go in three or four weeks or five six weeks or seven eight weeks and then it was like okay is it next week is it next week and so, then,
2: so yeah. by mid-april you were probably in good shape ready to go
3: oh for sure i, I was ready i mean bear in mind so I, i'd had most of my rest the year before uh, you know t- some months off at injury time at home and i stopped the season early to regenerate and refresh from travel and all that so i didn't need the break or time off. i had my time off the year before and you know that's obviously why the ranking was lower but um yeah when they sort of cancelled french or postponed french and cancelled wimbledon was then when we sort of knew okay that's there's no tennis till sort of july or august minimum so that sort of when when it sort of pushed back another two three months then uh you know i'd already been training for four or five weeks pretty hard and then with like another three month gap to any tournament it's like oh gee like a little bit deflating and it's hard to sort of train really hard for so 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 long without any outlook of what you're training for because you know before that i thought okay i'm training here for i'm going to the u.s or then to wherever and so did you modify your training at that point yeah definitely so i then went into probably maintenance training i would call it so it's it's not like a full heavy off-season block training but still hitting every day still gymming but you know, just an hour, hour or two hitting and, you know, some light gym sessions most days, you know, medium light, some hard, but but not like a lot of tennis, heavy gym, like not like uh, an off-season training block, just went into sort of maintenance. So having fun with training on core because, yeah, you can't just train four or five months in a row for nothing when you don't even know what you're training for. Um, But it did give me time, the extra time to work on some of the things that I was trying to improve and change and work on in my game for future months. So it gave me those extra few months to really solidify those things, which is rare on on the tour to have that time.
2: And then in August, the tour sort of returned. There were a couple of challenges on the European clay and uh, some hardcore tournaments in the lead up to the US Open. But by then, what was the deal about leaving australia or coming back to australia
3: yeah i mean first of all it was it was u.s open and the tournament's just before u.s open and it was sort of like oh is it going to be cancelled will it be on and obviously because my ranking was back and i hadn't had a chance to play all year to improve it i couldn't get in u.s open uh doubles my doubles ranking was close but again couldn't quite get in i said oh, i don't know if i want to go during covid and quarantine just for doubles uh, you know i wanted to get in singles and doubles at least qualies and you know doubles main draw to make it worthwhile and Go then on to the clay and to French from there so sort of the way it turned out with the cuts and that um, I sort of thought I, yeah in August I had a, had a plan I sort of said, "Oh, in three weeks I'm, I'll go and then I sort of waited and week by week to see the cuts but because there were hardly any tournaments most were cancelled the ones that were on even challenges even tour events the cuts were so strong for main draw and qualifying that I couldn't even really get in many and then I sort of worked out I wasn't going to make it into French Open probably doubles or qualifying um you know had no time obviously to improve my ranking and then it was like well I'm not really going to go to Europe for four or six challenges or maybe some some doubles and some qualifying just to come back and spend two weeks locked up in quarantine you know returning to Australia in November or something also in the you know the end of the year in, in Europe as we know it's pretty cold pretty pretty grimy and dingy whereas Australia's spring and summer it's it's a beautiful place to be, and, and I love being in an Australia and at home. So I was in Perth uh, at the beach most days after training and having a great time with my family and friends. So I decided to stay.
2: And how did you view someone like John Millman who chose to make the trip? Obviously, his ranking was higher than yours, so he got into the singles tournaments. Yeah. But uh, did you? I mean, were you pleased for him, or was there an element of envy, or what?
3: Um, no, not Envy. I, I didn't, don't even really know what he did, um, where he went, to be honest. But, yeah, I know a bunch of guys did go. I know a bunch didn't go too. Myself, Ashbardi, Nick Curios, Sam Stoza. Um, just, yeah, a few come to mind that chose. no, we're not going to go. We're going to wait till January. And I probably made that decision around sort of September time, September, October. E- even in September, I sort of thought, mm, do I go for two or three months here at the end? And then sort of by late September, I suppose October, I was like, okay, you know, schedule's almost done. There's nothing to really go for. And yeah, like, like you say, uh, if i had had the higher ranking and, you know, like most years or year before, if I was main draw US Open, main draw French Open and that, I'm sure I would have gone. I, I think um, then you have incentive to go. I just, I just, there was no point where I really had much incentive to go. And obviously the cost even of coming back to Australia, you basically had to take a business class flight both ways, which is okay, but for you, or your coach or your wife... You're looking at five ten grand each just to come back one way plus four grand you know four thousand dollars for hotel quarantine which you have to pay for as an Australian you have to pay for yourself um, so you'd have to pay me quite a lot to go away basically and because I wasn't in in the main draw of all the slams I wasn't going to be guaranteed of you know big prize money checks and that so um, I have some businesses investments and things at home I was making you know make make a lot of money on the side anyway so for me uh, yeah someone would have had to pay me quite a lot of money to go away and and do all that late last year, but um, yeah, this year obviously it's it's a bit different.
2: How did you cope with it sort of emotionally or in terms of morale, because this is what you do and you just were being stopped from doing it for totally understandable reasons, but nonetheless, you see the tennis tour happening and you couldn't be part of it.
3: Yeah, it's probably different to most people out there, especially non Australians, because where I live, I mean, I live in Perth. It's you know, one of the top 10 most livable cities in the world every year, same as Melbourne, same as what, Sydney, whatever. Um, we have a great climate. I live near the beach. I have practice, training, I have my fat friends, family. We have a boat. We go water skiing. We go on holiday. <laughs> life's pretty damn good. Um, I can't lie. It's 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 kind of paradise um, living there and being there. So, yeah. People said to me back even last year, "Oh shame you can't go and." I'm like, don't feel too sorry for me. I'd probably almost rather be here anyway. Um, you know, life's pretty pretty. Uh, how do you say fortunate or blessed to be back there? So, and over the years, it's kind of rare that we get you know so much time at home. So extra time at home with family, friends to work on, you know, obviously tennis and training, but other things, my business investments and with you know, other people and just enjoy life was unreal. So uh, morale was um yeah, I was quite happy to obviously not go anywhere. But in the same time, you know, it was a bit annoying that I didn't get a chance to improve my ranking, get it up and get it ready to to play everything. But on the flip side, yeah, I had an amazing nine months. <laughs>
2: And yet there is a challenge because the tennis circuit relies on large numbers of people in small spaces and a lot of flying. Yeah. And those are two things that the uh, uh, COVID pandemic makes very, very difficult. And having grown up in South Africa until you were, what, 12 years old, you're used to getting on a plane and always have been. So yeah. how does the tennis world cope with this in your in your view?
3: Yeah, it's a, it's a strange one. Uh, you know, even talking with my team and wife and, you know, she's going to travel with me. The tour, I mean, they've done well to restart. I suppose they're in a tough position because they did cancel for a few months and other sports started coming back in the US, golf, NBA, in bubbles, even in Australia, the football. And yeah, I mean, you can't you can't just stop everything. So they had to find a way and they did and they've done well and they've done well here again. But uh, yeah, I just hope that the vaccine can, maybe if everyone can get vaccinated and provide a medical passport to show that they, you know, don't have to be locked down everywhere and everything all the time. But, you know, on the flip side, obviously, I've been at home, you know, most of last year and even the year before because of injury and was a bit burnt out, took some time off. So, you know, for for most of the last two years, really, I've been home and regenerating a lot of energy and and stuff. So I think I've got a full tank of energy, emotion and capacity to to sort of have a go in this next couple of months, few months and see what happens and try and remain in the moment. But yeah, hopefully, you know, more and more tournaments can come back on the schedule and hopefully with less restrictions you know no one likes being locked only in their hotel room and only at the courts you know we want to travel we want to see places we want to be able to go around france or paris or italy or london even but you know we know that that's at least a couple months away a few months away some of those places still in lockdown so if they can get you know their countries a bit organized and get out of lockdown at least then maybe you know we can slightly have a slight bit more freedom and hopefully by the middle of the year it's looking a bit better
2: so, just a word about what would con- what would you consider success? You've got this pent up, um, ready to go energy. What will be success for you at the end of this year?
3: End of this year? Um, just to be happy, uh, enjoying myself. Um, have tried to make a, a decent schedule where we've either been able to come home or found you know some homes away from home. We have we sort of have some home bases in well, London and in the U.S. So, we might have to tap into that a bit, but. Probably if Tennis Australia or Australia can modify quarantine where we can at least come back in a couple of months or three months or six months even, so we don't have to stay away the entire year and be locked out of our country or home if you know we've all got families, we're close with our families and our friends back home. so we, we do want to get home you know every couple of months, few months if we can. but obviously that's going to be a, a challenge with quarantine. Um, yeah, f- you know fit and healthy, you know body is good. I mean obviously I had a few little niggles here and there um but none of them were sort of serious or structural or career concerning so i'm you know pretty young for 33 in my body i'm always i guess genetically pretty pretty lucky with my body lean fit and healthy and strong um so you know obviously still moving great flexible so yeah i think a successful year for me just get a lot of matches um singles and doubles i want to work on both this year obviously we had a great start in the doubles semis and quarters and Moving forward to so in the doubles, and I'd, yeah, I'd like to get my singles ranking up pretty soon, so I'm at least in qualifying of the slams, and uh, you know hopefully, obviously, push back to top hundred by later in the year, end of the year I don't know, but it's it's a little bit out of my hands because of the playing opportunity. So I can't I can't even just go play you know three to six months of hard singles and get a bunch of matches and try race up towards top hundred because opportunity is not actually there. So I think uh, I'm experienced enough to just know I just want to enjoy myself. Compete hard, obviously. Make the best of it. Still love improving myself, my game, and uh, you know, even get crowds back in the next few months a bit. And uh, hope you know all the countries around the world start to be on the up and improve as we go towards the you know the European spring and summer.
0: Chris Bowers speaking there with Australia's Matt Ebden, who hit form this week, reaching the semi-finals in Marseille before bowing out to injury just touching distance away from only a second career ATP Tour final and what would have been a first ever title on tour. He was, though, up against Russia's Daniel Medvedev in that semi-final, newly installed this week at number two in the world, a career high for the Russian, who seemingly continues to go from strength to strength. That is it for this week. Join us next week when I'll be in Miami as we build up to the first Masters 1000 of the year where we'll also have live radio commentary every day on ATP Tennis Radio via TuneIn. Please get in touch. You can do that on Twitter at ATP Tennis Radio. And if you enjoy the pod, why not subscribe and make sure you never miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Enjoy the tennis.